0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Hey, you're back in the doghouse, and we're here to talk Mississippi State sports here on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome back into the doghouse. I'm your host, David Murray, and I'm back from Arkansas. Uh, it took a little longer Sunday to make the trek back than it did going on Friday, but uh, with a lighter heart after the Bulldogs pulled off a 7-3 victory in Fayetteville pulled off, pulled out, ground out, however you want to call it. It was one of those games where you just had to keep plugging away. And the Bulldogs did just that, just enough, just long enough, knocking down the last Hail Mary type pass. By the way, I've always wondered why we Baptists and other evangelicals use the phrase Hail Mary. Seems kind of sacrilegious in a way, but you get the idea. It was a Great defensive play by a bulldog defense that really played its game of the season. That's not an exaggeration in any sense. The dogs were just playing on that day. It was the kind of defense we've been wanting to see for so long from them. The open date obviously did Mac Brock's unit good. You got some guys healthy, but you also got them some things adjusted during all that self-scout that coaches like to talk about, but uh, often uh, maybe almost never provide any real details about. The only details the dogs needed to know is they were healthier, they were happier, and they were on their game at Arkansas. More about that in a bit. Offensively, well, seven points was enough. The lowest scoring Bulldog victory since the 19 what 80 something like that. Uh, now State has been held to one touchdown in victories before offensive touchdown. Of course, last year's bowl game. I'll say last year it was January 2nd of this year, but you get the idea. One offensive touchdown, one return touchdown off a botched kickoff play by Illinois and some field goals. But one touchdown proved enough because it put the Bulldogs in position to tie the game, then go down and win it on a field goal and put it away with the fumble return. Uh, going further back, of course, we have the 2010 trip to Florida, 10-7, to one touchdown, one field goal. And Dan Mullen's able to beat Urban Meyer in the Swamp. What, 2007, Liberty Bowl, final score 10-3 to as Booby Dixon vaulted the line, a frozen line, as all of us who were there recall, for the touchdown with a few minutes left to win it. So it's not unheard of, it's just unusual, especially in these offensive days. Although I say that, I start looking at scores around the country and seeing some pretty good offensive teams really... I'm not going to say shut down, but definitely limited on the scoreboard, not making the plays that they're used to. So maybe there's some sign that in some ways defense is not taking control of the game, but at least asserting itself more than the past. That's just uh, uh, idle chatter for another day, probably come the offseason if we have all the evidence. For Mississippi State, offensively, well, you knew it was going to be a struggling day anyway because State inserts a new quarterback, Mike Wright, first starts since Vanderbilt. Now, he had started 11 games at Nashville, and that proved key because when he comes out and on the second play of the day, first pass of his day, throws an interception, which sets up the Razorbacks for what proved to be their only points of the game. Had that been, say, a freshman or sophomore who'd never gotten a start under his belt, he probably gets rattled. Mike Wright was used to it. I guess there's a Vanderbilt joke in there somehow, and I rarely pass up an opportunity to make some fun of the commies, but in this case, his experience proved useful. He shook it off, the defense bailed him out for the most part, and State darn nearly scored on the next couple of possessions in the first half. They don't, but they do come back, begin the second quarter with a touchdown drive, a successful pass. Actually, I thought that State had scored on the previous play that Xavier Thomas had made it inside the pylon. He was ruled out, but two snaps later, Woody Marks gets across. Of course, he hurts his leg again in the process. And if I have one offensive gripe about the game, it was the leaving Marks out there, especially in the fourth quarter, when clearly he was not going to gain ground between the tackles and didn't have the burst to get outside the tackles, but Hey, coaches do what they do, and uh, I think my line from my report card was uh, State was playing that game more conservative on offense than the laws of thermodynamics. Yeah, quite a comment for a fellow who flunked out of chemical engineering at State, but mm, I think the idea still holds. State really reined it in offensively, partly because you have a new starting quarterback, at least in this system, in this school, partly because as the game developed, State's offensive line and uh, Cole Smith's snapping were not entirely on cue with Wright. Uh, state avoided disaster. That's the best uh, pers- uh, the best illegal motion, um, offsides, procedure call, whatever you want to call it, ever in Bulldog history when Xavier Thomas is flagged, which means that the too-soon snap that got away, Arkansas thought they had scooped and scored on, was dead from the moment that the ball was hiked. Thank you, goodness. We... The Bulldogs needed a break, and boy, did they get one there, which uh, it turned out, it was true, it was a legal play, but hey, we've seen such things go against the Bulldogs before. But otherwise, State really reined it in tight on the offensive side of the ball, particularly as the game developed, and it showed that defense was more than capable of holding their own, and they did, even if it did come down to knocking it down on the last play of the game. The only point that matters, the Bulldogs won the game. They got their first SEC victory of the season, first Southeastern Conference victory for Zach Arnett in his tenure as well, which uh, I asked him about immediately in postgame, and uh, he kind of shrugged that one off and just went straight into what it means for the team and the program at this point, which is true. State had to have a win or two in the stretch, well, for bowl eligibility, at least two, and now they've got one of those under their belt and did it to an Arkansas program that now is in disarray. and. Uh, let me tell you, even though State had, going into the game, won 8 of 11, think of it, 8 of 11 meetings with the Razorbacks, Arkansas still assumed they're supposed to beat Mississippi State. They assume they are supposed to beat the Mississippi schools, period. I guess that has something to do with living up in pig country. And they're not doing too well at that in recent years, but they still think it. So they didn't handle it very well. Mississippi State handled it really well. Nice little crowd there. They got to celebrate on into the evening before heading on home. And uh, the, the post-game locker room was quite a happy bunch, obviously, to get that you know, hog off their backs, I guess you could say, uh, with their league victory and the way they did it. You know, I'm talking with uh, some of my fellow media members and a couple of MSU staff yesterday, and I said, you know, as intense as it was and unnecessarily having to come down to a knock-down-the-last-throw sort of play, winning it as they did, Unintentional or not, probably does this team more long term good in terms of confidence, in terms of assurance that when the game's on the line, they can make plays. Uh, by the way, you look on the other side of the field and there's an Arkansas team that has now lost what's uh, six games in a row by less than a touchdown. That's a team that expects to lose. The Bulldogs, who had been struggling in SEC play, could have had the same attitude at the end. Well, we're on the road. We're not very good offensively, and the defense has been breaking down in the regular season, so maybe we're supposed to lose. They didn't. The Bulldogs decided they were going to win, and they did win. So how does that carry them forward? Well, that's really more the point of this week's podcast, as yes, we enjoyed the Arkansas victory. Were there things about it that left you still uncomfortable? Well, sure. 205 total yards on offense, never mind the quarterback, never mind conservative play calling. That's still a problematic when you're going against a really good defense this weekend, Auburn and against a Kentucky team coming in that specializes in shortening the game as well. Still, it got right some snaps under his belt, some real pressure. I think now, to coordinator Kevin Barbey, who we'll have the interview with coming up, Uh, here, as well as the interview with Coach Matt Brock from the defensive side. You can tell which one was much happier about the win, but both pretty satisfied uh, with the final result, just not how they got there. Still, it gives Barbe a better sense and right as well of what to do. With Wright's own skill set. Now, parenthetically, we don't know what Will Rogers' status is. It's I'm recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, we talked to assistant coaches on Tuesday evening. Of course, we talked to the coordinators on Monday. Zach Arnett spoke Monday. He was on the SEC's teleconference today. Uh, interesting that there was not a single question about Rogers' status today. I guess most media are assuming that it will be right, and in fact, I am too at this point. Although I do think Rodgers could be back fairly soon. Uh, could he be available this weekend? It's possible. Now, Chris Parson, he was available at Arkansas. Let's go ahead and clear that one up. The two myths that came out of the game we need to address. One, that Parson was not available. He was, but they wanted to hold him out another week. He has a thumb issue from a practice incident we understand. Nothing really serious that should hold him back long-term. He could have played if he had to. Fortunately, he didn't have to. I would expect he will be back in number two status this weekend, assuming Rodgers is not available. Uh, Jake Ware would have gone in in probably a long game situation, um, maybe even in a crunch time call. But at this point, you're going to ride right. You hope that Rodgers can go because, remember, he did set uh, his own school record, which tied later with six touchdown passes against Auburn defense two years ago on this very same field they're playing on Saturday. That was a different offense, different receiver set, all sorts of things, but when you've done it, you've done it, and you feel confident about it. Uh, Should Wright feel more confident? Sure. He should also feel more confident to call his own number and do different type running plays as he did against Arkansas, although Auburn maybe there'll be more gaps inside because Auburn is so aggressive. They're going to come after you. If you guess right, you can gash them. Ole Miss showed that the other night, particularly in the second half, when they decided to get their offensive act together as well. And I just think Wright's skill set could be helpful in this game, but I really would like to have that passing option as well. Of course, you saw what Justin Robinson did in the Arkansas game, probably the key play of the game other than the touchdown itself. Diggin stayed out from the one-yard line with that reception. You were able to flip the field despite horrible punting. I don't know what was going on with Keelan Crimmins, uh, why he he did it too consistently for that to be accident that he was kicking up instead of downfield. And his forte is kicking the ball downfield as a rollout punter. Don't know what was going on. It nearly cost State dearly because Arkansas was able to get a big field position edge over the course of the game. But State made just enough plays. Uh, let's include in there the punt return by Thomas later. It didn't lead any points, but it meant that the ball was at midfield to begin the series, and State was able to get a decent punt and pin it down a little, and Arkansas had that much further to go, which proved, of course, they couldn't go. But State's punting this week is going to be at a premium. You've got to take advantage of that. You've got to be back on your game punting and pin Auburn back when you have to give them back the ball. Of course, Mississippi state missed a field goal as well. Felt so bad for young Kyle Ferry an Arkansas native recruited by Arkansas who really, really, really wanted to put those three points on the board and essentially ice the game. He didn't, he kicked it straight instead of an angle. Now, whether he should have kicked a field goal at all, that's another debate. Uh, I was more or less in favor of giving a try. Steve Robertson sitting with me in the press box said, no, run the fourth down play. And if you make it, the game's over. If not, you're still in the same time situation and you're not risking a block. As it turned out, um, you can't say either one was wrong or right. It just didn't work out, but the defense still did its job there. And what else from the game? Um, the, The jet sweeps, you know, as bad as they were in the game, a three tried, I think a negative in most situations, maybe a total gain of two yards or so. But one of them, the very first one, in fact, that was a blatant face mask that was missed by no less than two SEC officials to let it go. You call that and the play moves. If the defender misses him entirely, I think that play had potential. So don't expect to see the jet sweep taken out of state's offensive repertoire. And Auburn despite the fact they are a very fast defense, these kind of plays can make you outrun yourself out of the coverage there. So I think this will actually work better against an Auburn than it would against Auburn. I mean, sorry, against Arkansas, but that's just me. That's why I'm not an offensive coordinator at this point. Still, the Bulldogs have some confidence now. They're getting healthier. On the defense side of the ball, Demonte Russell, his presence was absolutely felt as the game went on. And the state didn't do a whole lot of substituting on the offensive line, or for that matter, linebacker, because Arkansas again uh, kept it on the ground most of the time. Uh, took a long time between snaps. They did the one or two times they did hurry up, it blew up in their faces. Something to think about this weekend because with Hugh Freeze in charge, you know Auburn. Anytime they move the change, are going to rush up the line of scrimmage and try to build on it. So State just has to be ready to get back in position and ready to play. That game had to do a huge boost of confidence to the defense as a whole, but especially the secondary that had just been shredded through their first three SEC uh, tests, something like 80 to 85% passing completions against them. Well, they held Arkansas, I believe, what, 19 of 31, something that range, and no big breaks. Nothing got over their heads, no missed tackles. That's the kind of game this secondary has to play this weekend because you're going to be facing a team that statistically doesn't throw it well, but they line up in formations that say they're going to throw it multiple wide receivers, especially multiple tight ends and then the quarterback keeper option. So as a safety You've got to play your primary assignment. You've got to stay with your man, but be ready at a moment's notice to race back upfield and take care of Peyton Thorne or Robbie Ashford because they're going to try to turn the corner and get downfield. That, that is Auburn's best offense. Uh, it's their biggest threat even. They have a great running back in Hunter, but their threats to really blow things open come when the quarterbacks just pull their own trigger and go with it. Now, it didn't work out well their last game. In fact, uh, as games have gone on most of the season, teams have gotten a grip on those guys. And so you wonder what the Tiger Conference is going to be like. I'll say this. I've been to Auburn in good years. I've been there in bad years. The fans still turn out. But that doesn't mean they turn out in full enthusiasm. I think if State's able to get out there and certainly come out of the first quarter even, even better, take a lead in the first quarter and hold it through the change of ends, I think State's in pretty good position to pick up that second SEC win and a win that would all but guarantee bowl eligibility because, as we saw from Southern Miss last week, well, barring the unthinkable, the Bulldogs are going to get that fifth win for sure, Uh, the fourth non-conference win of the season. You've just got to steal one of these SEC wins, and right now I'm not even sure it would be stealing it to take this one on the road. Of course, Kentucky is off this weekend, and they play Tennessee at home, and Kentucky's a much better home team than they are on the road. But you're going to wonder what their mindset is. Of course, you can say the same thing for Tennessee after their second half collapse against Alabama. But I wonder sometimes why I even bother with such things like trends on this because this whole season has defied so many classical trends of teams having momentum. I don't even think momentum exists quarter to quarter, maybe not even series to series in most cases now. It's just what happens every time the ball is snapped is so unpredictable. But it keeps us guessing, and it keeps the game fun in that regard. All right, before turning it over to the coordinators, let's see. What else is there to hit? Of course, Mississippi State basketball will be down in Hattiesburg this weekend for a charity exhibition with the Golden Eagles. I won't be able to be there. I'll be on my way back from Auburn late Saturday. Uh, Our teammate, Justin Frommer, is going over. He's going to make the trip from Auburn to Hattiesburg. Um, And having made those South Mississippi runs along those highways, uh, Bless you, young man from Michigan. You're about to have an experience going through that part of Alabama stand at night. So, But he'll be there and have full coverage from the scrimmage as well. Of course, Mike Nemeth and Steve Robertson, they're talking with Coach Chris Limones, I believe it was this morning, and have a fall ball wrap-up at some time. So baseball going on. Of course, Lady Bulldogs, Sam Purcell, they're getting ready. What is it, October 25th now? Season opens on November 10th for Lady Bulldogs, 11th for the Bulldogs. Of course, I'll be in Texas A&M when that all happens, but it's not that far away as well. Uh, we driving by last night after practice interviews with the coaches. It was dark enough to see that uh, some of the additions to Humphrey Coliseum, the lights are on, some of the amenities are being installed, but still racing to beat the clock ahead of season tip-off. Uh, we're told that it, certainly the hump will be playable. Uh, maybe not all the amenities, all the frills and trim will be in place, but Everything will be ready to get a game underway when Bulldog basketball and Lady Bulldogs tip it off this year. And that's all that matters because this process, uh, delayed by some subcontractor issues, we're told, nothing that you can lay at the blame of Mississippi State. And speaking of facilities, of course, you saw the news last week that the IHL board here in Mississippi had approved $35 million for unspecified or vaguely specified uh, changes, renovations, and additions to Davis Wade Stadium. Uh, now, Athletic Director Zach Selman had said that he planned a January release on a facilities plan for our coming years. I'm wondering, and I've inquired of a couple of staff members out in the athletic department, would this push up the pace? Now, the IHL has kind of uh, blown the whistle on the project. Uh, haven't got any feedback yet, but something to stay in, uh, aware of because really curious what's the plan now for Davis Wade Stadium? and uh, what's going on as well what are their plans long term for the football program as well because the two are tightly interrelated now charlie winfield blog initiative is reporting encouraging results improvement on mississippi state's nil picture which yes is not part of the athletic department proper but you know it's a big deal as far as recruiting it's a big deal even more so as retention of players and for that matter attracting staff in all sports I don't know what Mississippi State plans to do about the coaching staff at the end of the season, but after watching the results, I've got to think some changes will be in the wind, whatever these remaining five games bring or don't bring. But then we just play one game at a time, or they play it, and we're there to watch it one game at a time, and you're here to listen to it here in the doghouse on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, David Murray. Let's turn it over to first Offensive Coordinator Kevin Barbet, then Defensive Coordinator Matt Brock, Thanks for checking in this week, and we'll be talking to you again uh, next week, hopefully after another Bulldog win that puts them uh, to SEC victories and a step closer to keeping that bowl streak alive. And I don't think it was any accident that this week Zach Arnett mentioned that they're trying to maintain some traditions in the program. He might as well have said bowl eligibility because that had to be the tradition he was exactly talking about in the context of the rest of his statement. So, yes, that's something to keep watching right now. So thanks for checking in. This has been your host, David Murray, and always good to talk to you, and we'll check back in next week here in the doghouse. How are we doing? Are you doing? Well, Coach Harvey, after, after looking over the game, I mean, what good takeaways can you find from it?
2: Um, well, the, you know, we go back and we review all the good and all the bad. The number one thing is that we won, right? Um, obviously, you know, we've, we've got a lot of improvement uh, that's that's got to be made, um, you know, and, and especially critical situations uh, where we got backed up and, and we had a bunch of penalties and, uh, you know, we, we had some uh, penalties in, in fourth downs where, you know, we've just, we've got to be better and we've got to be more disciplined and detailed in those situations. Um, but you know, uh, I thought the type of game that it that it had to be uh, was you know unselfish football on, on a lot of uh, our players' behalf, um, and you know we're we're proud of the win, knowing that we've got a lot of a lot of room to uh, improve. You said you saw the
1: the play with Tulu and Armand Harmon on that block there for Xavion. What was kind of your reaction to, to when you saw that?
2: Yeah, that was an incredible effort. Um, you know, those guys uh, took took the kid and ran him into the sideline and up against the bleachers and. Uh, my first reaction was, oh, gosh, we better pull off of that sooner so we don't get a penalty. Uh, but, no, I, I mean, that's what I was talking about, too, is just unselfish, uh, you know, blocking downfield by by Tulu and Harmon. Uh, we throw a little quick screen to Xavion and those guys literally, you know, take him and, and run him out of bounds. And uh, so, you know, I was, I was really proud of uh, their effort, you know, especially on that play. Let's go back to the uh, the fourth down play. That was kind of the carnival play there. There's a lot going on there. It's like uh,
3: Zevian's not set. Mike's looking at the sideline for a call. The ball gets snapped. When you went down and broke down the film, what did you see there? And you know, what can, what's a teachable moment for you?
2: Yeah, you know, I think the most teachable moment um, when it when it gets loud and it gets intense right there, and we get in the huddle and we break out of that huddle. We've we've got to have some composure and some calmness. You know, we we get up there quick to the huddle and uh mike is looking out waiting for Xavion to get set and you know all of a sudden we snap it and we had some crowd uh some noise issues that uh you know those are all things that that i've got to control and i've got to be able to clean up uh here throughout the week how did you evaluate mike's play in his first start here you know um i think mike uh you know played well um he's got obviously there were a couple throws that he would like to have back but um you know he Getting in the flow of the game and, and letting it kind of come to him, you know. Uh, I thought he made some some tremendous runs, um, you know, in the run game. You know, obviously we utilize him a little bit different than what we do will, um, you know. So he's got a lot uh, a lot more, you know, reads with the defensive lineman up front and stuff. But uh, I thought he handled it well, um, you know. And and we got to continue uh, getting ourselves better and, and pushing the ball down the field. So.
0: sort of of the same question I asked asked Matt just about sign stealing Um, from an offensive coordinator perspective just just your thoughts on that and sort of how you manage that throughout the year
2: yeah that's a good question I I don't have any um, thoughts or concerns on like sign stealing Mm -hmm. I mean we do we prep that so much and it goes from this person is live this person is live this person is live so if they can figure out who is actually signaling, then they're doing a, a pretty good job uh, because, you know, each series it's, it's
0: different. Would, would you like the college game to move towards the, uh, the headset thing, you know, the NFL does to, to make that? You know, yeah, I would.
2: I, I think that'd be cool. I think that'd be really good, and you'd be able to kind of talk to your quarterback and give him those last-minute reminders. And, you know, I know in the NFL they kind of start a, a play call off and the quarterback just finishes it, and then you give them your final, hey, man, if it's cover two, your eyes got to go here cover one, and then it cuts off on you. I think that would be cool. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not worried about, uh, you know, signs stealing. I'm worried about our guys getting the signals. What, what do it say for the team's basketball? composure there where after the series of false starts, things go line, they still had composure to play the game, throw the ball, make a catch, and keep the chains moving. Yeah, what a phenomenal play uh, by Justin Robinson going up and getting that ball uh, you know that safety was over the top and in position, and it's more of a, you know, just Justin Robinson wanted that ball more uh, than than that corner or the safety, and uh, phenomenal play, a huge play in the game. You know, because your percentages of going ninety nine are, are pretty low, but the key to coming out is the first. We have to get the first first down, mm-hmm. right? And J Rob's catch there, you know, ultimately allowed us to flip the field, and obviously our defense played great, and those guys did a phenomenal job. Uh, but that's part of playing the game, right, is, is field position and, you know, understanding that, you know, that big catch right there uh, really affected the game by just pushing them and, and not allowing them to have a short field right there uh, in a cr- critical moment of the game. What are your early thoughts on Auburn? Now, Auburn, uh, I think they're really, really fast, uh, really uh, good up front. The Marcus Harris guy is a really good player. Uh, the eugene asante linebacker i mean if you turn this film on this guy is all over the place he runs really well uh violent linebacker he plays it exactly how you want him to uh really really impressed with him you know a lot of transfers uh over the field uh all over the field uh the jalen simpson the safety's got a bunch of picks i think he's got great ball skills you know and, and they're a well coached defense you know ron roberts does a great job and Um, You know, they they really do. But my first impression, they run really well to the football. With Mike settling in now, uh,
1: how are you handling Will and Chris this week?
2: Yeah. You know, I I tell those guys every week, it doesn't matter, right, who's starting. We all prepare like the Mm -hmm. starter. And so, you know, I thought they've done a great job of supporting each other and really helping each other out to see, hey, you know, uh, I think this corner is going to do this and this coverage, or, hey, look, here's a nice indicator. These linebackers are on different levels. And uh, so those guys understand that, you know, only one quarterback can play, but the position itself, right, we all contribute uh, to the quarterback play.
0: Outside of that, uh, Creed's touch on them in, in the first week with those jet sweep, some of them don't really seem as successful as they were in, in, in that game. Is there something schematically, either, you No know, boundary block and whatever, and why those – haven't been as productive as, as they were to start the year?
2: Yeah, you know, I think um, guys are, are, you know, picking up on the jet sweep stuff and making some good adjustments. And, you know, I've got to do a better job of counter-adjusting and, and setting things up uh, beforehand uh, to help some of those jet sweeps out. All right. Thank you, Coach
3: what do you feel like you guys did well and what maybe do you need to clean up this week? Uh, there's still plenty of things to clean up. I mean, there's, there's issues that don't, get them, uh, don't arise at times because we've got pressure, but that was obviously a, a good thing. Um, you know, formation alignments, things that other teams will steal. Obviously, we've got to make sure that we uh, clean up, you know, start to, out there tonight. Uh, what we did well um, probably started out with the pressure. You know, I thought they did a nice job on, on pressures and blitzes and things like that getting home. Um, and uh, and I thought we played tighter in coverage as well. So uh, things to build off of, but obviously a ton of things to clean up still.
2: Obviously it's a fourth quarter game, but how much of a boost did it give your guys to be put in that bad position on the first play and second play and then – hold into a field
3: goal. Well, we've been talking about, you know, critical situations, obviously third down, red zone, all those things. I mean, it doesn't matter when it happens in the game. They get in the red zone or, or plus side of the field, you've got to bow your neck and, and get a stop. And so, by all means, I think you yeah, have confidence. Uh, but uh, we've got to make sure, no matter what, whether they start a drive right there or – or uh, get a few plays on us and get there, we've got to make sure our, our mentality is the same and, and attack it and, and uh, get the job done.
2: You mentioned the ability you guys had to get pressure. What was kind of the result of that? Was anything different you all did or just, you know, they played well?
3: No, there wasn't a whole lot different. We brought a, a little bit more DB pressure here and there, you know, because they had struggled with it. But uh, there wasn't a whole lot different, you know, our, our typical simulated pressures were in, and uh, booky did a nice job. Uh, Deontay did a good job on, on one of them, getting his hand up late, uh, you know, hitting the quarterback's arm. Um, Dante Russell did a good job. And, and just I thought we, we got the production we needed in those pressures.
2: Speaking of DB pressures, uh, Corey
3: Ellington appears the last couple weeks kind of come on. What are you seeing from him? Yeah, I thought he played with more confidence in coverage and uh, in the run game than when we blitzed him a couple of times. And, you know, he's a big, strong athlete. And so we need him to play confident uh, to uphold uh, his end of the bargain. I thought he did a nice job.
1: What did you see on that play—the the sneak that KJ tried to run—that y'all got to stop on fourth down—and just how big was that in terms of momentum until you know stuff from there?
3: Huge. I mean, obviously fourth down stop again, another critical situation, right? Conversion downs and and uh, Bryce Pollock did a nice job, or Pollock, excuse me, Bryce did a great job uh, coming in, and, and you can't really see it till you watch the tape, but he punches and the ball comes out. Sean does a good job of getting on it and, and getting it out, and obviously college football is a momentum game, and that was a huge momentum swing. Thanks. Early impressions of Auburn. Yeah, very talented, obviously. Uh, they've got a lot of new faces on the O-line. Uh, 62, the guard's back from last year. Everybody else pretty much is new. Uh, the, the running back, Hunter, everybody knows about him. And then you know they've got a, a young, uh, kind of a scat back, 5'7", 170 pounds, and 21 that I think is dynamic. I mean, he makes people miss all the time in space and, and even in the box. So he's, he's a problem. Uh, they have length at receiver. They have tight ends all over the field. It seems like they're utilizing them even more in the last couple of games. And all of them are athletic and, and can uh, cause problems both in the run game and passing game matchups. And then the two quarterbacks, both of them are dynamic athletes. Obviously, we saw Robbie last year and what he can do with his legs uh, and his arm. But uh, you know the, the new kid Peyton is uh, is a problem as well. He gets out on the edge on Georgia and goes like sixty nine yards. So. Uh, there's plenty of issues that uh, they can create bit
0: of an off-topic question that I asked Zach about this morning obviously you got all the sign stealing stuff going on in college football conversation-wise going on football I'm just curious as a coordinator what kind of things do you maybe talk about throughout the year with as a staff to try to limit teams from stealing your signs
3: not a lot not a lot because usually you know you get into different situations with tempo and things like that and and when you signal you signal usually pretty quick so uh, we haven't been Involved in any conversations about it? To be quite honest with you,
0: has there? Have you ever been in, in things with the past where other staff, no, on other stats where you? change signs or, or whatever because you're worried about it maybe if you have like a situation where a guy on your staff took another
3: job and you're playing them you might change terminology you might change a signal here and there on that but but as far as through a course of the season other than those specific scenarios i really haven't i know you were with the special teams at the time but what do you remember most about uh the last visit to auburn two years ago when you know they, they went up big and you were able to uh put you know 40 plus on them and that come back yeah, tail the two halves. I mean, we couldn't have started any slower, or finished any better. You know, we had that uh, we had a touchdown going in right for the second or right, right in the second quarter, and that swung the momentum. And I just thought we carried it over and we made a couple plays on all sides of the ball. And it was just one of those deals where when it started to unravel for them, and, and it just kept building for us. It was a it was a huge, huge that uh, was a huge win, obviously for us. Zach so so like mentioned book. it today, but uh, a lot, sometimes Auburns employs some 14 personnel. So it, you know, on the defensive side of the football. How, how do you match up with that? I mean, it, does that change your defensive alignment when you see guys, uh, you know, kind of doing some things in orthodox? Sometimes, potentially, it does. It off, Oftentimes, it depends on where it is on the field, right? You get down goal line, short yardage, you want to match personnel more. But what's interesting with them, whether it be 14 or 22 personnel or 13, you're not getting traditional, you know, 22 personnel, you think, you know, high pro, two tight ends, that, that's not what it is. It's more like, 21 formations, two-back formations with uh, split receivers, split tight ends. So they do a lot of things, personnel, that maybe aren't your typical when you hear those numbers. And uh, so we've got to do a good job of understanding what formations we're getting and adjusting accordingly. You know, Talk about all the time, but today's SEC Defensive Player of the Week, he's just, he's just a solid without, without saying just a solid guy yeah. all the way around. Yeah, he's a stud is what he is. You know, he's not just solid. I mean, he's a guy that shows up every day. The thing about him is, and you always want this, your your most talented players play the hardest, right? They set the tone. And Buki does that. And Buki doesn't just do that on Saturday. Buki does that on Monday night. Buki does that throughout the entire week of practice. He prepares that way off the field. His attention to detail is second to none. And so then the production uh, obviously coincides with that. And, and as a young guy, you got to look at that and go, hey, you know, maybe I ought to follow that lead. And we need to get more guys that see that and decide, hey, I need to play up to that standard on a daily basis, not just on Saturday, but on a daily basis. And that's uh, really what's encouraging about that. You mentioned
2: that. the play uh, Bryce Pogg made early. He's coming as a true freshman, played a lot of snaps. Have you seen him just develop and take advantage of that opportunity?
3: Well, number one, he's got the talent to do it. I told him after the game, you know, we're going to coach you hard and try to push you because we don't need you to be a good player in two years. We need you to be a good player tomorrow, you know, and that's the urgency level we have as coaches because we see the, the potential. And uh, he's shown that. And so he's going to take some lumps here and there. Uh, as a freshman, that's part of it. But uh, he's done a nice job of accepting that and developing.
0: Thank you, Coach. All right, Thank guys. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.